today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. Kudos for industry on a huge communications contract. You got to give a shout out to our EI spenders too. They're providing us the feedback to help us even better understand where agencies are. Help for agencies to make big technology transformations. We have a number of buying guides that are out there. We have actually a zero trust uh, uh, buying guide and it helps the agency make sense of where the pillars are of developing a zero trust capability. And no margin for a deadline at the National Archives. The deadline is December of 2022, so at the end of the new year that's coming, uh, we will no longer accept paper records. It's Monday, October 4th, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Supreme Court won't hear a petition from Oracle to keep its protest of the Jedi cloud contract at the Defense Department going. The company argued in its petition Friday that the case should continue even though the department killed the contract. Oracle says the problems in the Jedi contract are in the replacement joint warfighter cloud capability contract too. The Navy and Air Force are reaffirming their reciprocity in cybersecurity and testing technology. The new memo, Air Force Chief Information Officer Lauren Nausenberger and Navy CIO Aaron Weiss signed Monday, requires data sharing for software testing to save money and avoid duplication. Both services say the memo reinforces the collaboration of the two services. The Navy has a plan to cut application deployment time after the rollout of an application to track COVID-19 infections on ships. The Defense Digital Service created the app and the Navy deployed it on eight ships within five weeks. Lead architect of the project, Fernando Cancel, says, quote, normally it takes years to go through all the wickets. You can read more on these headlines and more at fedscoop.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is sponsored today by Zoom for Government, designed with relevant certifications and ATOs for the federal hybrid workforce. Zoom for Government offers rich and high reliability audio and video for conversations to work through complex issues and build rapport across government with mission partners and engaging the public. Learn more at karasoft.com slash Zoom. Agencies have a September 2022 deadline to move their entire telecommunications and network infrastructure services to the new Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions contract from the General Services Administration. But by the end of August, less than a quarter of agencies are even halfway finished. Alan Hills, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management in the Federal Acquisition Service, GSA, on the new episode of Let's Talk About IT, he tells the host of the podcast, Billy Mitchell, what GSA is doing to help smooth the transition for agencies. One of the things that we did is we have a working group. Typically meets every bi biweekly and stuff to work with these agencies. Uh, we have what we call a little, little fun name here, RAFT. It's the Risk Assessment for Transition. So what that does is help agencies make a realistic assessment of how long their transition will take. And it takes conducting the contingency plan and state in uh, and, and the state of results to the state stakeholders. There are several key outcomes that come from leveraging this GSA raft process. It helps them to develop a decision tree to identify viable options for contingency response. That's very important because in this case where we have contracts that are going to end, they're going to need to continue those services. Uh, it all, it, in, in actuality, the RAF provides really more of a best case scenario for them. 
uh, you know, the perfect world type scenario that if you did all these things, th this will, it's a time frame. And when even going through that process, agencies are like, whoa, it's going to take some time, right? And so they now we get into the contingency plan and help them out and, and moving them forward. Um, so th that's important. Uh, also, we got to give a shout out to our EI spenders too. They're providing us the feedback to help us even better understand where agencies are and things that can also optimize it. And they're doing things to actually speed transition too. They have some new tools to help automate that, that transition. Uh, in addition, there is a concern about the legacy inventory. We're talking uh, inventory that the technology is, is no longer supported. And, and it takes time to replace those old technologies with new technologies. Uh, in addition, we also have to be concerned about where we're at today with the pandemic. We have um, where there are challenges with supply. Uh, it's uh, even even in today's economy, we're experiencing that. We're seeing that, and so there's so it takes time for that inventory to come in, those parts have to come in for the to replace those. So those are things that have to be considered. We're also doing a little bit further. We have our we have established a life cycle service branch. And that's helping to keep eyes on where things need to be modernized and, and what needs to happen sooner than later uh, and, and keeping that pulse on those things. Uh, and this is extremely important because agencies have a large amount of inventory and we're bringing in those best practices uh, that we've learned through this period of time and past transitions and brought, providing that to the agencies to help them to leverage those type of things. And it's very important for them to do that so that they they understand where their risks are and what are the types of, of alternative means to mitigate those risks. September 2022 is about a year away at this point. Um, you know, as you get closer to that point, is there anything else you can do to motivate those slow movers who might not, you know, be where they need to be in terms of that deadline? Sure. Uh, so uh, I think the most important thing that we're doing is we've had this phased approach and we're as uh, and it's our transition closeout project plan that we're executing. And so we've already gone through phases one through four. We're, we're actually approaching phase five. And there are key milestones that occur in what we look at and say, has the agency completed what they need to do? And we sent out these letters and it says, look, you need to, to take these type of actions, move forward. We have discussions with them about where they're at, what they're doing, and how they're expediting those, those things. Uh, and we've had uh, agencies through that process that, uh, that uh, making sure they're hitting those milestones, getting them disconnected in a timely fashion. Uh, and so agencies come back uh, through, the, through this approach. They'll, they'll take additional mitigation uh, approaches to uh, move their transition uh, faster. Uh, and then we disconnect those agencies that are uh, needed to be disconnected because of those transition milestones. Uh, so um, for those agencies that as of September 30th of 2021, GSA dis disconnected those that haven't made an award to a task order, for example, uh, in their solicitation. They have chosen not to use EIS and they have moved on to other vehicles to get those supports and stuff. Which is, which is fine. Uh, we also, 
as of October 1st of 2021, we stopped processing uh, exceptions. We're, we're freezing those, those uh, contract mods. What we're trying to do is not allow an inventory to grow on legacy contracts. We're trying to make sure that they're leveraging EIS to, to meet their mission requirements. That's Alan Hill of the General Services Administration on the new episode of FedScoop's Let's Talk About IT podcast with Billy Mitchell. You can find a link to the episode and subscribe to that podcast in the show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Coming up on today's Daily Scoop podcast, another deadline for agencies. Sheena Burrell of the National Archives will tell you why December 2022 is creeping up on agencies fast. The Daily Scoop podcast's lineups available ahead of time on Twitter. You can follow the show at Daily Scoop Pod. That enterprise infrastructure services contract from GSA is not just an acquisition exercise. It will let agencies buy technology they can't buy now and meet new security requirements. Alan Hill of GSA explains to FedScoop's Billy Mitchell what will be possible on EIS that isn't today. It can't deliver both the voice and the data in the type of quality that's necessary for us to collaborate in the, in, in the fashion that's necessary to do the mission. Uh, and so with a new the new infrastructure, able to work in a much more collaborative fashion at, the, at my old agency. In addition, it also set itself up for being able to implement the zero trust architecture, which is extremely important. Um, we have had too many uh, intrusions, hacks, data breaches, okay? And so that's why the cyber EO came out. It's it, that emphasis and it is well, uh, much, much needed for us to move to that uh, cyber EO what's out there. Uh, so what does that have to do with EIS? Uh, so EIS bakes in those type of, of, of offerings and provides that building blocks, enables, and also allows agencies to customize those things to their agency-specific needs. Uh, we work side-by-side -side with CISA, who, are, who is the agency responsible for providing that security uh, policy and infrastructure uh, best practices for agencies to leverage. We were side by side. We're meeting with them on a regular basis. Uh, and in the TIC 3.0 uh, use cases, building out use case for support zero trust uh, architecture. Uh, and in addition, by leveraging the EIS solutions that are tailored to meet TIC 3.0 requirements, agencies build towards that zero trust architecture. Looking ahead at what's next for EIS, you, you kind of went into this a little bit earlier, but I'd love to, to give once again the listeners, whether they're on the agency or the industry side, uh, give them a bit of info on what they need to know around the bend. Sure. So uh, the one thing that I think agencies, and, and I'm sure they are, they are and is when we talk about EIS, it, it, it shouldn't be a subject where it is a priority in the agency, it needs to become the top priority because we can't, you know, think of it as having a, a, a freeway, right? And if you're, you're driving down a country road, it's a lot harder to get there than, than driving on the expressway right now, unless you're riding on 66 or 95 or something, then that becomes a park lot. <laughs> but, but, but the importance is, is building out an infrastructure that can deliver today's services. And, and we've done a number of things in EIS to help agencies. 
Uh, we have a number of buying guides that are out there. We have actually a zero trust uh, uh, buying guide. And it helps the agency make sense of where the pillars are of developing a zero trust capability and their, their enterprise, not just specific to the network, it's an, an entire enterprise and where those services can be obtained. That's, that's very helpful. It, you'd be able to sit there and say, here, if you're trying to do this, here are the things that you can use to, to get to achieve that. Uh, in addition, we have our lifecycle management branch that helps move agencies and recognize where in that life cycle of their technologies that are in services they have, where there's opportunity to reduce costs and improve capabilities. That's extremely important. And so uh, this in terms of what agencies to look for is that we're always working with CISA and other agencies to bring on those new capabilities, even the emergent type technologies. Uh, we have new offerings that are being brought to the table all the time by these vendors. Uh, and we're gonna continue to expand those capabilities and eliminate the ones that are no longer needed, right? So we have the vendor community saying, we need to start scaling down these old technologies. We need to take them off of the inventory. We've got to stop supporting them and stuff. And they're delivering new software defined wide area network is one of the, we have a guide on how to implement a software defined wide area network, which is the foundation to build an out of zero trust uh, capability. Uh, and there's different variety of things. We're also bringing in technologies that are gonna bring down the cost of, of, the, of the network. And so that's important too. Uh, and so EIS is not like it's legacy contracts. It's not that old telecom circuit to circuit. It is a robust type of capabilities that provide different types of technologies for communication, and security and being able to build those out. You can read more about EIS and subscribe to the Let's Talk About IT podcast in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The lineup's filling up for Cyber Week, October 18th through the 22nd. CyberScoop has more than 40 events on the calendar already for the Cyber Festival. Lots of top leaders from technology, education, and government will be there both digitally and in person. You can learn more and register now at cyberweek.us. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, coming on Tuesday's program, a tech transformation at the Defense Logistics Agency. The Deputy Chief of Staff there, Helian Flowers, will tell you about that. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. A big records deadline is looming for agencies across government. The National Archives and Records Administration has a cutoff coming for taking agency records on paper. Sheena Burrell is Deputy Chief Information Officer at NARA. Sheena, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What's the deadline that agencies are up against, and how are you prepping for that deadline? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me again on the show. I am really excited to talk about this. This is one of the things that's been on people's minds a lot right now. It's still the deadline is December of 2022. So at the end of the new year that's coming, uh, we will no longer accept paper records. I do know that from COVID-19 perspective, a lot of people have had questions and if this deadline is going to be extended. We're still working with OMB on a new deadline and an extension um, and more to come on that soon. Uh, but that's that's one of the things I know people are really concerned about because COVID-19 has set people back a little bit in, in terms of getting out 
um, the digitization efforts that they wanted to do. I want to talk about digitization, uh, another digitization effort you're undertaking, and that's military records. Uh, some challenges there that you've run into. How are you addressing those challenges, and where does that stand right now, Sheena? So we are having some challenges, even ourselves with digitization. Uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we haven't had a lot of people come into the office, um, but we've been working with the Veterans Administration. They've been doing some digitization for us. Uh, we've partnered with them and the records that they needed, and they already are scanning them. And we're taking those records and putting them, um, doing a cloud to cloud kind of transfer from their S3 bucket to our S3 bucket in the Amazon Web Services and AWS. And then we're utilizing that information with our on-prem application and being able to pull that data from the cloud and uh, fulfill the backlog requests. So during the pandemic, we have a growing backlog of about 500,000 records requests for military veterans that we haven't been able to get to. And now with the digitization efforts that VA is doing and our ability to use that information that's now electronic, we're actually able to kind of get that backlog down. You talked about a cloud to cloud effort there. Is there was there some infrastructure process needed uh, that you had to stand up in order to do that? Or is that just something that's inherently possible because of the nature of, of cloud architecture? Or how did that work, Sheena? Yeah, we actually did have to do a, a, um, a little bit to stand that up in order to do the transfer. So we're still working on um, that cloud to cloud transfer. It, so right now we're going to have a workshop uh, coming up soon uh, so that we can talk to agencies about how we do these cloud to cloud transfers. Right now we've been using devices. And so we call, uh, with AWS, we call them snowballs. We'll send the snowball, we'll down, you know, put the data onto the snowball and then we'll load it into the cloud. We're trying to do a different infrastructure background right now um, to set up to do it without that device um, from the VA's cloud to our cloud. And so that's still something that's in the works. The backlog that you're working through and, and the digitization effort that you outlined a moment ago, that's not just, I imagine, to get past this backlog either. That's a process that will continue to serve you after you've caught up with that backlog. That, that's a forward-looking thing, right? That's not just a triage for where you are today. Absolutely not. This is a forward, This is definitely forward-looking. One of the big things that we are trying to do, um, get that backlog down, but in general, is just to digitize our holdings. Uh, so, and, and we want other agencies to be able to do the same thing. So we're digitizing our own holdings. We're asking agencies to digitize theirs because when people come to ask us for these record requests, we're, we're giving that information back electronically. So if we have it electronically, then it makes it easier to search for those records and provide it back to the public or the military or um, you know, constituents that are asking for, for this information. So this is an ongoing effort. The, the records that VA is digitizing aren't only for those backlog, right? It is whatever records we have. And we're doing a search to say, does any of that information match up to the ones that are in our backlog? Have you had agencies come to you in this effort and say, where do we start? Or how do we move forward from wherever we are today, Sheena? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we're going to have a workshop coming up soon. You'll hear uh, more about that. 
uh, because they are asking us. They are asking us, if I have my records in the cloud, how do I give them to you? And then one of the big things that people are asking is, how do I just do a copy? Here's my copy of the cloud, and I want to give give that to you so that I don't have to, you know, to do a lot of movement with this data. You know, moving of the data does cost a lot of money. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, but we're also... Um, people are coming to us asking, how do I digitize my paper records? How do I actually take this and, and, and do this in an efficient manner? Those are the things that we're working on. We definitely have services that we provide where we digitize records for agencies and, and they could come to us and get, um, you know, those services. Uh, and, and, and that's something that we are going to talk about with these agencies at a workshop that's coming up soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, I will do that. Uh, one of the efforts that you're undertaking to it's to serve all of these uh, needs that you're talking about is uh, you're moving to a multi-cloud model. We have Mike Washell from the intelligence community on the program on Friday. He's talking about his multi-cloud model. This is something that we're seeing at agencies more and more. How will you manage that and how will you work to get the cloud providers to kind of play nice with each other given that that's not necessarily the model that a lot of these vendors are used to working under, Sheena. Absolutely. So we have one vendor that provides our hosting services to multiple cloud uh, service providers. So um, our award was just to SeaTac, and we have underneath of that award is AWS, Azure, and Google. So we're going to be working with that hosting vendor, which is SeaTac, to, to, to make these, I guess, purchases or um, hosting services with these different vendors, but we're looking at it from a, a, a breadth of, of perspectives here. So one is um, for disaster recovery. Like right now we have all of our information in AWS and if something happened to AWS, uh, you know, where else will we be able to pull our information? So we're having that duplication in another cloud service provider but also being able to build applications um, in different cloud service providers to be able to provide uh, greater flexibility and scalability in, in what we're doing at a, at a lower cost. We're also looking at this from what we just talked about. Uh, if an agency has their records in Azure versus having them in AWS where we have our records today, how can we make it possible to be able to share that information um, without having to do a device or can we do a cloud to cloud transfer? Could we take over their you know, their Azure account or or what have you? So we're looking at it probably a little bit differently than just building applications like other agencies are doing. Um, and I think that's kind of what makes it different for our multi-cloud strategy. Sheena, I note that you were uh, included in the 21st list of the Journal of Black Innovation's 50 Most Important African Americans in Technology. Congratulations on that. Thanks very much for joining me in the program today. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. There's more on the paper records deadline and the National Archives technology evolution in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. Now, if you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks for doing it. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Deputy Chief of Staff of the Defense Logistics Agency is on the show Tuesday. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. 
Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. <laughs>